How many know we're living in a really different day? And uh, I, God changed me. I, um, usually a, a week or so ahead, I start planning for the following weekend. And I, I had something in my heart. And I sat down at my desk and I, my, my, you know, uh, computer's in front of me. And I mean, God completely hijacked what I planned to do. No kidding. I thought, what are you doing? And basically what he wants to do. I'm going to know it's best to do what God wants you to do. So I uh, changed my message, and, and I want to talk about healing. How many know it's the will of God for you to be well? I started out last year, I think it was 14 Sundays I taught on healing, somewhere around that. Also, I have 51 podcasts. If you'll go back um, maybe November of, of 2020 on, 51 podcasts. I used to do them five podcasts a week. Until I got tired. <laughs> so, anyway, 51 on healing, and I go into extraordinary detail on uh, what it is, how you can know it's God's will, and then how to receive for yourself. So, I encourage that. That's some background because just the few minutes we have on Sundays doesn't do the, the, um, the subject justice, but I get some out there. How many know we need to counteract the negative input that we have today, right now? How many know it? With the word. So there's a lot of negatives. In fact, I've never seen a more negative day in my life with respect to health. Have you? And it's producing uh, all kinds of actions and reactions in people, isn't it? And one of the foundational thoughts I have when, when I, I, I see what's happening and hear what's happening is Romans 10, 17. You know, I've known the Lord. I, I, I came to the Lord in in the mid-70s, and I know that dates me when I say it. It feels weird to say it, honestly. But uh, Romans 10, 17 um, what was a, a real foundational thing for me as a teenager, 18 years old, that came to the Lord. And when I saw that, I saw the truth. And then all my life since then, it's truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And, you know, through all of my life, whatever you hear the most of what you, is what you have faith for. So, so I can't encourage you enough, unplug the things that are distractions because there are multitudes of distractions today with social media, with all kinds of information uh, inlets into our lives. In fact, I ride uh, bicycles on the Noose River Trail. I walk a lot and all that kind of stuff. And constantly, I usually don't see someone who, has, uh, who doesn't have some input going in. In fact, I listen to podcasts usually when I'm riding my bike or either books or the Bible when I'm riding or walking. And, you know, uh, so there's a lot of avenues of information. Just make sure you have the right ones. If you don't have the right information today, you can get in some real deep trouble. I know you're thinking. I got two amens on that one. Um, uh, COVID, let me, can I talk about COVID-19 a minute? No? I got one, huh? Okay. Since it came along, it's been pushed by the media for um, almost two years now. That in and of itself has, has produced tremendous fear. Yes or no? And what's come to the surface is everybody's thinking about sickness. I don't care where you go, somebody, you got your mask on, you ain't looking. In fact, now people don't make eye contact, they're kind of like this. It reminds me, first time I went to Russia, I was in the, on the um, uh, subway way down. If you've ever been, that's a huge subway, my Lord. And, and I got on the subway, in the subway car, and I mean, it's packed. It's wall to wall. I mean, it's shoulder to shoulder, butt to butt people. I mean, you just squeezed in like sardines, you know. 
And some almost got their arms cut off with the door shutting, you know. So you're standing there. And, you know, I'm just a typical American. Like Americans are kind of like a, a good, friendly dog. When you, you can just always tell an American, because friendly dogs are, can we be friends? Would you like to go for a walk? Let's go for a run. And um, so I'm sitting in there, and, uh, and I'm, I'm just standing in my little squeezed-up spot, and I'm just looking to make contact with somebody just kind of like, And guess what everybody's doing? They're reading their paper and they're looking at their shoes. And it was really, and now that's what I see here. Yes or no? I mean, you go to the grocery store, you go to Target, you go somewhere. That's what you see everybody's coming. And uh, it's just a real strange day. So, so you know, it's, it's affecting us. Would you agree? And uh, so... It's, it's producing a fear, and, it's, and, and, and there's some rhyme and reason to some of it. Again, I want to mention what I said earlier. Uh, faith automatically comes when knowledge comes. Faith rides on information. Yes or no? So, so whatever you feed on the most is what you're going to have faith for. So, so you answer the questions for yourself. What are you, if I can use the term feeding on, what are you ingesting mentally most of the time? Uh, let me ask it a different way. Um, which do you spend more time doing? Looking at social media, looking at news apps, listening to podcasts, um, listening to the TikTok videos, Yeah, right. Or meditating on Scripture. Now, I could probably answer that for you because I know people. Most people aren't meditating on Scripture. Would you agree? So what do you think most people have faith for? Hmm? Now, I was prepared. I was preparing this morning. I was prepared for quiet. So let me go, can I go a little further here? Because we're going to get into the goodies in a minute. Um, there is a huge psychological operation going on right now. Did you hear what I just said? What do you mean? Well, I did a series, I'm trying to frame this quickly because I can get into the weeds really easily. I'm trying not to. Jesus is coming back, the scriptures reveal. In fact, a third of the Bible is Bible prophecy where it prophesies the second coming of Christ. And I did a whole series on the whole book of Revelation verse by verse, finished, um, when did I finish, y'all? Here a few months ago. And it took two years to do it on Wednesday nights, but did it. Um, but, but there is a scheme and, uh, and, and the Bible reveals it very clearly in the book of Revelation that there's, there's going to be a global governance that emerges. How many know that's already in the works? <clears throat> Did you know that? A global governance with respect to law, with respect to commerce. And uh, what it looks like right now, and I, I never really, really, really hooked the, the you know, pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together until the last couple of years, it looks like. Looks like the way they're going to uh, frame this thing, make it work, is uh, they found a real easy way that affects everybody. It's your health. So a health pass, 
You can't travel unless you've been vaccinated. And, and that's producing a lot of stuff. Have you noticed? Now, I'm not going to get whether you should be, shouldn't be. That's your business, not mine. And that's not something I'm going to comment on. But I, I just want you to know you need to do your research when you're hearing things. Now, I'm, now it's really going to get quiet because here's what you're going to find out. Facts have been distorted. What do you mean by that? Well, the media in general hasn't painted a balanced, clear picture as to what's going on. Now, it's getting quieter. Okay? In fact, let me just say it this way. A, a spirit of deception has infiltrated the media. Uh, when I say the media, um, uh, legacy media, all the common things that everybody used to watch, watch 6 or 6.30... In the evenings when they got home from work, the world's changed. That doesn't happen much now. But all that, including uh, social media, which I've mentioned all this so many times, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, Instagram. What else did I just miss? If I missed it, add it, because that's what I'm talking about. Uh, it's, uh, there, there's there's, a, there's an, uh, an unclear picture and a distortion being presented there. And... Um, and that's called deception. When you give a part of the truth and don't give the whole truth, you are involved in deception. How many heard what I just said? And, um, and what's going on right now in some ways has sidelined true science. Yeah. And uh, replaced it. I don't know what else to call it. I'm searching for words. Propaganda. A propagandist will say something over and over and over again. If he keeps saying it long enough, then there's a certain uh, number of people that will believe what that person says. Did you know that's happening right now? Are you aware? I mentioned this a number of months ago. I don't want to go too far, and I feel the pull. But um, back when I was a kid, I was, uh, I was uh, 19 when Jim Jones did the thing in, is it Ghana? And uh, 900 and something people all drank the Kool-Aid at the same time, and they found them all dead. Now, if you were living at the time, I'm looking around the auditorium, I can pick, peg a few of you that were alive then when I was. And, uh, you know, that was, that, I mean, everybody went just like stone-cold silent. What do you do with that? And, and it shocked the whole world. Nobody could believe what happened. But did you know that's exactly the same thing that happened in Nazi Germany? Does anybody know what Nazi Germany did? Yes or no? Did you know the same principles are at work today? Why? Because it's the same spirit. What do you mean the same spirit? Demonic forces are at work. You used to think the devils, ask a few questions, you think the devils that were around in Jesus' day went anywhere? Are they still here? The devils that were at work in World War II, are they still here? Uh, yeah, you answered right. That's correct. They are still here. Uh, deception is giving partial truth but not complete truth, okay? And uh, uh, so, for instance, Jesus, uh, Mark 4, Matthew 4, you know, is in his temptation time, fasted 40 days, nights, and uh, Afterwards was hungry, and, and the devil kept quoting scripture to him and, and uh, saying to him he could do this or that. In fact, he took him on, on top of a high building in Jerusalem 
and said, I'll give you everything if you just fall down before me and worship me. And, uh, and he went up at one time, he said, just throw yourself off the pinnacle, of, throw yourself off here, you know, and you know, it's written, you know, Psalm 91, he'll give his angels charge over you, keep you in all your ways. And Jesus come right back with scripture, did he not? See, see uh, Satan can quote scripture. Demons can quote scripture. I can't go anywhere with this. 1981, I was casting a foul devil out of a lady. Six o'clock on a Sunday night. I can't even tell you this story. But you know that devil, that demon, was quoting scripture to me? And this person was wild-eyed. And it was spooky scary. Let's quote scripture. I thought, well, looky, looky, the devil even knows the Bible. Well, he does. And he, and, and he doesn't know everything, but, you know, he does know some scripture. What, what happened with, 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 Eve, with Eve when Satan come up to her? Mira mentioned this this morning. What happened when Eve, the serpent, came up to Eve said, Eve, God said you can't eat the fruit of that tree. Oh, come on, give me a break. You're not going to die when you eat that stuff. You're going to be like God. You're going to know everything. Oh, yeah? Yeah, go ahead and eat. Go ahead and eat. Yeah. Well, he's, well what he held back was uh, you'll, you'll eventually die, and everybody that knows you will die. Right? So just because somebody with, with, uh, with, with a certain kind of voice says something today from an apparatus you're listening to doesn't mean it's true. Right? So when someone begins to destroy truth, I immediately, I turn away. What do you do? Do you listen to it? I can tell you a lot of people are listening to distortions today. And what I'm really shocked about is how many people are filled with fear. I, I, I'm, it's unbelievable to me. So what are you doing to counteract fear? Can we get real? What are you doing to counteract fear of sickness? I know it's in your mind every day, isn't it? Everywhere you go. Wonder, wonder if that stuff's on that surface I just touched. Better not put my finger on my nose. Better not pick my nose today. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel the edge coming on. I better back up a little bit. You get what I'm saying? Everybody thinks it. Every, and, and, you know, <clears throat> you got to, you know, you swallowed your water wrong, you're drinking, you got to go. <clears throat> Everybody's running. Is that true? It's a crazy, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be so dramatic, but you get the idea, right? That's today. So what are you doing to counteract the fear? Everybody has it. In fact, I, I, did, uh, I did something on purpose here a few weeks ago. I purposely uh, looked and listened to things I don't normally, and I was amazed at how much fear I felt. Just by listening to those avenues I don't normally, I was just incredibly amazed. It's like, wow, they're really, they're really pushing this stuff really, really hard. And it helped me understand why people act the way they do. Because if that's all you hear, you're going to be afraid. And every time an angel in the Bible appeared to someone, bringing a message from heaven, what was the first two words? Fear not. No, we're not doing that. We're doing the opposite. So what are you doing to counteract fear in your life with respect to sickness, disease, 
et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I've told you this, and I don't want to go too far with the story, but I started my life afraid that I was going to die young, and there were reasons for that. And so the first few years of my teenage years were terribly frightful to me because I felt like I was going to die young. And, and why, I mean, you know, it takes the incentive for living, for thriving, for learning, for activity out when you think that you may not make it very far, Right? And, and that's, that's disincentivizing, and that's what's happening today with so many people. They're becoming disincentivized for living. And, y'all, we got a lot of living ahead of us yet. How many hear me? So, so, so there, there's what we're dealing with on a daily basis. Let me give you the contrast. Can I do that? See, see, best of times, I gave you the worst of times first. Here's the best of times. Watch this. So, so, so in contrast to what you hear, listen to this. I frequently at night wake up to this scripture. No kidding. It just, it's rolling inside. Uh, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. That scripture did not say he healed those that uh, sometimes every once in a while, some people, it said he healed all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Uh, Some inferences there is, it says, went about doing good. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So the inference there is you could call sickness an oppression of the devil. Yes or no? One thing, if you go through the New Testament, the epistles, the letters written to the churches and what Jesus said to his disciples and demonstrated to them in his three years of ministry was that we as believers in God Almighty and the Lord Jesus Christ, we have authority over the devil, over demons and devils. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, pre-cross, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And then he defined, he's not just talking about little creatures. And overall, the power of the enemy and nothing will by any means hurt you. Would that include COVID-19? It's true. You say, well, Pastor, I know people have been affected. Me too. But if you look at the bigger bigger picture, uh, 99 plus percent of of the people that have problems recover. You you don't hear that very much. So anyway, 1 John 3, 8, since sickness is synonymous with Satan and his oppression. First John 3, 8, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might do what? Destroy the works of the devil. Render inoperative, deactivate the works of the devil. Why did Jesus come? To make sure that the enemy doesn't, doesn't have a toehold in your life with fear and it doesn't dominate you with something. Then John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Does sickness steal? It steals time, steals relationships. It steals well-being. It steals all kinds of things. Does it kill sometimes? And to destroy, it destroys all kinds of things. Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and they may have it abundantly. And then 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 24, who himself, speaking of Jesus Christ, bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. There's, a, there's, a, there's an addendum at the very end of the verse. He not only took our sins, but, but he did something about the sickness attack stuff that wants to come on people that live on terra firma, live on planet earth. Matthew 8, 16 and 17, when evening had come, they brought to him, Christ, many who were demon-possessed. 
And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And then that came from Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5. Listen to this. Surely he's borne our griefs or sicknesses, as the original text in Hebrew says, and carried our sorrows or pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. He paid the debt that we owed so we can be free. He took our guilt, we get his freedom. He took our sin, we get his righteousness, his right standing with God. Is that good news? And and then there it is, the very end of that, and by his stripes or wounds, we are healed. Now, a lot of people think he's talking about spiritually healed. You don't get spiritually healed. You get spiritually transformed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Now, he didn't take the old and put a Band-Aid on it and make it better. He He takes the old out and puts something new in. No, when he said, by whose stripes you uh, are healed. Now, what is he talking about there? By his stripes we are healed. He's talking about physical healing. And the proof proof there is Matthew 8. Uh, There's a direct reference. Jesus was healing people. And then the commentator, Matthew, said that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah. Himself took our infirmities. Talking about physical sickness. Is it the will of God for us to be physically healed? And then Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, this is New King James, most of these are. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear. You know, what happens when you incline your ear? What would you say? Say that again. There's a lot of people in the room. Hey, hey, can you say that again? What's that? Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they, my words, are life to those who find them in health. Uh, actually, the, the Hebrew has been translated by other uh, commentators and expositors um, for their life to those who find them in medicine to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. So, you know, you go to a physician, he says, well, take this medication, you know, three times a day with some food or something, you know. And then you'll find your symptoms will eventually dissipate, disappear, and you'll be Okay. So we say, okay, I'll do that. So you look at the prescription. You got the little bottle and you follow that. Why don't we do that with the Bible? That's God's prescription for health right there. Attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. What happens if the word doesn't depart from your eyes? Question, if the word of God about uh, what Jesus said, about what God says and the Bible says about health and healing doesn't depart from my eyes. Question, Will I be filled with a viral fear everywhere I go to, for somebody to touch me or me touch them? Or God forbid they cough within 10 feet of me. <laughs> no. If the word doesn't depart from my eyes, if I keep it in the midst of my heart, I don't care what environment I am, I know God takes care of me. Case in point, see, it's thing you get, have, here's a mental vision I just had. I'm in... Uh, um, I think this is near Dilla, Ethiopia. We've got 12 churches in Ethiopia. I've been there a bunch of times. And so we were on top of a mountain and uh, in this little city. 
Uh, big story, I don't have time to tell. Here's the story. It's this building. It had one door in, actually two doors in, one on the side, one on the back. No windows and um, no lights. That candle, candlelight, hot dog, french fries too. Yeah, so I walk in, you know, it's like, okay. So, you know, here I am and we walk in and y'all, when I walked in, you know, I think the building might would have comfort, might have held 500 people. I promise you, they're butt to butt, 1,000 people. And there's no wind, no air, no little fans, no air conditioning. Uh, there's no windows, just doors. I walk in, the first thing I notice, you know, if you put human bodies in a room and, and, there's, and, and there's nothing to move the air, guess what? First thing you notice is intense humidity. You got eight, 85 BTUs of heat per body per hour in a room. I won't tell you how I figure that out. And then you got, and you're expelling your body, perspiration. It's humid, right? It's crazy. I walk in, there's a whole wall of it. It's like, Jesus, help me today. And I'm preaching. So I walk up, and, and the higher up you get up on this little stage place, it's like, man, it's hotter up here. Let's get down like this. Man. And then here's a thought hit. Most of these people don't have running water. They haven't bathed in a long time. They have to go to the river. And their clothes are dirty. I could see them. Here's what came to my mind. You know what kind of diseases are in this room? And guess what you're doing? You're breathing it in. Take a deep one. Now, I'm going to tell you that came to my mind. But you know what counteracted it? Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. And I went into that environment, preached my heart out. I, it, I didn't have one stitch of clothes that was not wet with my sweat. But I came out of there okay. And I've done that many, many times in life. I have another friend. We were in India, Delhi, India. He'd go to, to the leper colonies without fear. So if I have a friend that can go to a leper colony many times, multiple times, without fear, and if you can go to these kinds of places and minister, do you think God can keep you in the middle of what people call a pandemic? Question, what are, you, what are we full of? It's what I'm full of that determines what I have in life. So I'm either going to have faith or fear. And, and you know, the issue is you can't mix them together because the fear will overcome the faith. If you got a little bit of fear and a whole lot of faith, you, you, you're going to lose. You got to deal with the fear. You can't. You can't deal with fear. You can't let it keep going. Right? Everybody good? So, Pastor, why are you saying all this? What are you saying? Our health begins on the inside of us, and works its way to the outside. How many understand that? So, unless I know on the inside of me that God will take care of me in the middle of whatever, then I'm going to be a fear-based person. And then the whole thing that's trying to grab the whole world is going to eke itself on the inside of me. And instead of being part of the answer, I'm going to be part of the problem. How many want to be part of the answer? 
Well, you got to get, we got to get the word. Now, now, now the apostle Paul, uh, you know, he dealt with exactly the same kind of things. Here you are, New Testament times, Jesus raised from the dead, appeared to him, Acts 9. Uh, he's called to ministry. Um, he's preaching in Rome, the believers in Rome, you know, Christianity's fresh and new and vibrant. Uh, they're still trying to figure out Old Testament law and sacrifices, priesthood and all that. And so he's, he's preaching to Gentiles, he's preaching to Jews, and, uh, and he's mentioning the law. And, and he basically has to say to him, guys, listen to me, it's not what's on the outside that makes you right, it's what's on the inside that makes you right. And see, it's the same way with, with spiritual things and being right with God. It's also the same thing with healing. It's not what's on the outside that determines whether or not you're well. It's what you have on the inside that determines your health or lack thereof. Yes or no? Romans 10, 5 through 8, for Moses writes uh, that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't say, who will go down to the place of the dead that to bring Christ back to life again? That's very blind. We don't even know what he's talking about when he says that. And it seems like it's some weird blurb he put in the middle of it out of context but it's not and then verse 80 says in fact it says the message is very close at hand it's on your lips and in your heart and that message is the very message about faith that we preach and what Paul was saying there he was basically telling these people don't look to outward things like the Jews did to make you right with God it's no longer the law the sacrifices the priesthood it's what you've got on the inside that determines who you are and what you have in God things have changed but see, people were still looking for outward things to make them right with God. There's a lot of Christians today. If I read my Bible, if I pray, if I do it right, if I tithe, if I go, if I do, if I did, then I'm right with God. No, you're right with God because of the blood of Jesus, not by what you do. See? See, we still get it all messed up. It's what we do. And then if we fail, we feel like, well, I failed God. Well, I can't go to Charlotte. Why read the Bible? Why pray? Why help? Why do that? No, 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 no. That's the wrong way to think. You're not right with God because of what you do. You're not right with God because you do in 21 days. Some, some people, I got a 21 day Daniel fast going on. And they're strutting their stuff, you know. Listen, I was fasting. I knew the Lord for, I don't know, a year or so. I was in Bible school. So I had this idea, well, you know, I'm going to have fast days. Tuesdays, Thursdays, fast day. I'm going to fast all day, no food. And, y'all, I worked at a grocery store, worked my buns off. I mean, I worked hard. And I got hungry as a beast, and I was ready to eat anything. And God finally said, Mitch, I'd rather you not do that. I want you to quit. And in fact, I was, I, and here's the thought. Aren't you, aren't you proud of me, God? Look, I'm I'm doing what most people don't do. These Bible school guys I'm going to Bible school with, they don't fast like this. You like this, right? You like this, right? What you think? I'm going to do it again Thursday. What you think about that? And you know what he said to me? I don't want you to fast anymore. He had a pen. He popped my balloon. Said, what do you mean you don't want me to fast? No, you got it all wrong, Mitch. You think this is you. You think this is all about your works. No, this is about me and what Jesus, my son, did for you. You got it all right. And I had to quit fasting. I fast, but not, not, not the way I did when I first came to the Lord. How many understand? That's what the Jews were doing here. Listen to uh, the quote from Deuteronomy. Actually, Romans 10 is a direct quote from Deuteronomy 30. This is an awesome passage. Listen, verse 11, Deuteronomy 30, this command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you, and it's not beyond your reach. 
It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask. Who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey it? That's, what, that's a direct quote from Paul. Paul quoted that in Romans 10. It is not kept beyond the sea so, so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear and obey? No. Verse 14, Deuteronomy 30. The message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart so you can obey it. See, it's not outward things, and that's what he was saying. It's not the outward sacrifices the Jews made. In fact, the Jews were making outward sacrifices saying, oh God, look, we're right with you. And he said, you missed the whole thing. I'm not after the sacrifice, I'm after your heart. And a lot of people today say, well, I want to come to Jesus, but you know what, just let me live life the way I've been living. He said, "Uh -uh -uh uh-uh-uh. No, you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. When I have your heart, things change. When all I have is, God says, when all I have is outward things, oh, you go and and you have a semblance of of being right and being a believer, but nothing in your life changes. When I really change, that's my heart changes. Then I really change. Is that true? That's what he was saying to them. See, it's the same way with with health and healing. It's, It's not... It's not outward things. A lot of people think, well, if I can just get the man of God to pray for me in some circles, not all, not all churches even lay hands on the sick. We do. We did last Sunday. But if you think that just the laying on of hands is going to heal you from sickness and disease, it, it won't. You've got to have something in you more than that because you'll lose what happened when hands were laid on you if it was the anointing. So see, see it's, it's, it's what's on the inside of us that enables us to have what God has and keep what God's given Right? He went on to say in Deuteronomy 30, this is so good. Now listen, he's talking to the old covenant believers. I'm giving you a choice between life, death, prosperity, disaster. I command you this day to love the Lord your God, keep his commands, decrees, regulations. By walking in his ways, if you do this, you'll live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're about to enter and occupy. But if you turn your hearts away, Refuse to listen. If you're drawn away and serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You'll not live a long, good life in the land you're crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, blessing and cursing. Now I call heaven and earth as a witness to witness the choice you make or that you would choose life, that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live along, live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Isn't that good? What was he? He was appealing to their heart. He said, don't just give me sacrifice. That's what the Jews are doing. They're offering God, you know, physical animal sacrifices before a high priest and offering animal blood to cover their sins for a year. But he's saying, look, I, you know, that stuff's a type and shadow of what really, really is the substance I want your heart. And if I got your heart, I got you. And and, and if I've got you, then I've got you on the inside. And that makes all the difference in the world. Now, when it comes to us as New Testament believers, see, see, God has, 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 has made a deep deposit in each of us. If you're a believer, God has deposited something of himself inside of you. If we are in Christ then God has deposited something of himself. In fact, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit is the divine omnipresence of God. He's everywhere at all times and inside of us, and he is the personal bearer of the presence of God, and all that presence contains, and he lives inside of us. 
And so John speaking of that in 1 John 4, he said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And, and Paul in Romans chapter 8, when he's thinking about our physical bodies and the fight we have, resisting the temptations and the yearnings of the flesh that want to bring us and pull us back into the life that Jesus has delivered us from, he said it this way, Romans eight eleven. this is new living. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Now that's chock full of information there. How do we as believers, how do we receive healing as believers? It's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. Is not looking for a person with faith and the power of God to rid you of something that, that has happened. No, no, no. It's us allowing the Holy Spirit on the inside to rise up and affect every cell, every organ, and every system of our body for good. And to cleanse us from sickness and disease when it violates us and pollutes us. Yes or no? See, that's the will of God. We live in a fallen world because of, uh, because of Adam and Eve and their sin. Satan has a legal right to be here. And, uh, and until that legal right is taken away at Jesus' second coming, then we, have to, then we have to deal with him. And Jesus has given us authority over the devil. Yes or no? In fact, Colossians 1.13 says, We've been delivered from the authority of darkness translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We've gotten transferred from his jurisdiction. So when he comes and tries to attack you, you say, well, pastor, don't you get attacked all the time? All the time, all the time, all the time, you know? And what do I do? All the time, all the time, all the time, I get in the word. Because I know if I keep the word in me, there's nothing's gonna stick when the enemy comes to attack. Oh, he'll put thoughts and feelings on me Several times over the Christmas holidays, I felt sick. I felt ill. But I got to a private place and said what God said about me, resisted it, and it left. Again, I don't sign FedEx packages from hell. Well, I must be getting the wrong. I must be getting the Rona. Must, must be getting it. Well, I, I got to go. I, I must be getting it. Shut up. That's the very reason, honest, that's the very reason you have problems. So if the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is living in me, can he quicken me? Can he raise me up? Wait, wait, no, no, no. You, you need, uh, here's what I do. Meditate on this. Med, think about it over and over. The Holy Spirit's in you. Yes or no? Is the Holy Spirit God? Does he know everything? Does he have power, uh, mean ability to heal you, to rid you of a, of a physical attack, to help you overcome it? Then why sometimes doesn't it work? That's a valid question, isn't it? See, so I see, I, I feel the heat wheels turning in here inside. Well, I know so-and-so didn't work. Well, there has to be a reason then. Something happened, right? Make sure, here's a one, two, three, four, five things. Make sure, number one, doubt 
is not obstructing the Holy Spirit bringing you healing. What kind of doubt? Well, you're listening to more of this other stuff than you are the word. Okay, let me say this again. I said it a few Sundays ago. If you can't quote three or four scriptures about healing just like that, the word's not in you. I'm not kidding. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, live in you richly in all wisdom. Colossians 3, 16. Am I doing that? Ask yourself, am I doing that, right? See, if we'll do that, then that drives doubt out. Doubt will hinder the Holy Spirit's ability on the inside to rid your body of, of, of things that come in physical attacks. Yes or no? Uh, secondly, make sure fear is not obstructing the Holy Spirit bringing your healing. Let me say this. You can't be in faith and fear at the same time. Can I say something? Well, I'm just using wisdom. No, you're full of fear. I'll let you fill in the rest of that sentence. When a person says, well, I'm just using, I've heard that. It makes my stomach sick. I have to ask God to heal me. You can't have faith and fear at the same time. Fear cancels faith. There's a lot to say there, and I just, I'm watching the clock. Number three, make sure um, a heart hardening by sin is not obstructing the Holy Spirit bringing you healing. Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There are things I know that I'm doing that, that God says don't do, and I'm doing them anyhow because I like it. I'm hardening my own heart, and that hinders healing. Yes or no? See, so, so, so these, you got to walk closely with the Lord to, to receive his best. Yes or no? Right? So, so that's the way it is. Uh, make sure unforgiveness is not obstructing the Holy Spirit's ability to bring health to your body. Unforgiveness. You know, people are going to say things. People are going to do things. People are not going to act the way you want them to act, say what you want to say, treat you the way you want to be treated all your life. Ain't going to be somebody. And so you got to have your forgiver in good working order. Now, here's what I found is kind of the, the way your family is. If you, you, you can come from a family, and, and one of the traits of that family is to kind of hold on to things. It's like you sitting around the family table Thanksgiving, Christmas. And you just remember things. Or somebody says something, and inside you say, well, I got that. I marked that. And then you just don't treat them the way you should, which is to love that person unconditionally as though they never did wrong. So make sure forgiveness is in good working order. And, you know, I have to work on that. People say and do things constantly. You, you guys, of course not. All of you have angel wings and you have halos on your head. But I have to deal with that too. Make sure anger at God is not obstructing the Holy Spirit bringing you healing. You know, here's what I found. If something doesn't happen the way that you know it should in somebody that you know, you can get angry at God. God, why did you let that happen? It's not a matter of God letting anything happen. How many know we are at a war? We are in a war. There are casualties in a war. 
We're in a spiritual battle. Can we be real? Not everybody wins the fight for whatever reason. Y'all, I've been in this life for 45 plus years. I've had people that I know and love and care about and esteem highly go down in battle. Does that, does that cancel out God's word and God's promises for me? No. What does it mean? There's something I don't know. And there's something that's none of my business about that person. And I have to leave it with the Lord. But I don't want to blame. If I blame God, then I lose out myself and I cancel my faith. Don't allow anger at God. I know how life is. You know, we're idealistic about life when we're young. And we expect things to happen a certain way. And we think marriage is going to be a certain way. Now, I have a good marriage. Don't think I'm talking about my own. But you know what? It's, is it challenging? Yes, because I'm a challenge to live with. <laughs> Just ask Susan. She's with the children for a service. Just ask her. She'll be, come, she'll be wandering in here into, into the foyer in a little bit. Ask her. Just say, is, is Mitch hard to live with? And she'll probably say, you have no idea. <laughs> We're idealistic about our jobs, about our finances. We're idealistic about our friends. We're idealistic about what life brings. And it just doesn't usually fit that utopian idea we have in our heads. Is that true or not? That's why as people age, they get disillusioned. They get frustrated. A lot of people, when they get up older, 60, 70, they just kind of crawl in a hole, so to speak. Just stay at home, drink, smoke. Now, get some, now they go get them some pot, smoke some weed, leave everybody alone. No, 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 no. God wants you to live life and be robust and excited and help others. I want to end this. Y'all good? Now, I put this in the notes, and I have no time. I got 25 scripture I put in the notes, 25. Now, let me tell you about these 25 scriptures I put in my notes. These scripture, uh, they're like my friends. Don't be messing with these scripture. I'll get on you. They're my friends. I, I mean, I, I'm, I honestly, regularly, 25 of them, at various times throughout my day, most all of them go through my head medit- in meditating every day. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. I keep all of the doubt, the fear, all this mess worldwide. How do you keep it out? The only way is you got to keep yourself full of something. If, something's, if you're always bothered by something, is because you're not full enough. You get it? So I've got these scriptures. I can't encourage you enough to go get them. I mean, I could rattle them off right now as fast as I can talk. I can think them faster than I can speak them because there's so much a, a part of me. But these have been my friends in good and bad times, in times of attack and in times of, of plenty and blessing and help, in times when the enemies attacked my body with sickness. These scriptures have stood with me. And if you'll do that, it'll help you. I want to end with this. And I started out with this. You know, if you really want the Lord to, to minister life to you, you got to be willing to live in an unselfish way. I frequently mention that Job 42.10 says the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Job's, uh, the whole tenure of Job's terrible plight happened about a year. It says Job's, the Bible people say, the scholars say that's the oldest book in the Bible. It's the first book in the Bible, actually, I think, to be written. Uh, nonetheless, um, he was transformed when he got his eyes off of himself, put his eyes on others. Who would be willing? Here's another way you can challenge yourself. 
You know, I, I want to keep my eyes off of me because that's how I know I can be blessed and, and stay out of the, out of the, you know, mully grubs, depression, mess. If you keep your eyes on yourself, you can get real discouraged. But if, you, if you'll purpose every day, Lord, today you let me breathe, you let me live, you let me move so I can minister life to somebody else. Can I read a scripture to you as we close? Everybody good? Mark 16. Sadly, some translations of the Bible, because of the um, text in the Greek that it was written from, won't even add, won't even have Mark 16, 15 through 19 in it. They leave it out. Uh, I hope your Bible has it in. And then he told them, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Wow. Will you read that out loud with me? It's on the screen, right? Uh, These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Wow. What are they? They'll cast out demons in my name. You don't have to say it out loud, wait a minute. They'll speak with new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. That's that's not the churches up in the mountains of West Virginia. I got to faith. That's not that. He's talking about authority over demons and evil spirits. Having said that, if you're in a terrain and a black mamba in Africa bites you, you can believe God that it won't affect you and you won't die because generally you die immediately. You get it? So, they will be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. What if this year, what if we plan to lay hands on people? You mean I got to touch him? That's what laying hands on means. Even if they're not wearing a mask, he didn't say anything about a mask. In public, wherever he tells you to. How many would be open to the Holy Spirit to do what God said? He said, well, pastor, I'm sick as a horse myself. Well, lay hands on others and expect. I've preached sick. I'm not now. I don't have the Rona. You're not going to get hurt. All right? I don't have any symptoms. But I've preached. I've laid hands on the sick while my arm hurt. My back hurt. Whatever. Because what you sow...